Hello and welcome back to the Mindful and Messy podcast with Michaling Bobo. What a month it's been. So we plan these episodes months in advance, but the universe being what it is, it seemed the closer we got to this grief episode, the more intense death and grief became in my life and everywhere around me. April was a very hard month for a lot of us, losing beloved public figures, family, friends, and colleagues to COVID, unforeseen circumstances, and illness. So today I'll be sharing my experiences with grief and the ways it's affected my life and the world around me. And I hope we can find solace and some meaning in sharing and grieving together. This episode was due three weeks ago, but every time I sat down to record it, just the thought of putting out all the thoughts and emotions swirling in my mind would paralyze me. I was in a constant state of overwhelm and really went through a depressive episode, just lost in the disbelief of what was happening to me. And I've learned that you can't cheat grief. It's not a negotiation or an item on your to-do list. You are not in control of it. It is in control of you. We're so used to putting things off and compartmentalizing our emotions, pushing through to meet the deadlines and convincing ourselves there's just no time to attend to this crisis. But grief has a very small container. And sooner or later, it all overflows and comes apart. It doesn't even make sense why I was fighting it so hard. Intellectually and mentally, I know better. But emotionally and spiritually, it's a weight I didn't think I would survive carrying or looking into at that moment. And vital to surviving this bout of, you know, grief, has been learning to find grace and self-compassion in my avoidance of grieving, in my struggle to even admit that what I was experiencing was grief. Because I foolishly thought I had a handle on it, but I didn't, and I still don't. And that's okay. Three years ago, the month of April would be forever changed for me. And up until Easter Monday of that year, I had no idea. I remember my brother calling me that evening to tell me our mother had been rushed to the hospital. He explained what happened and I acknowledged the news. I then went back to watching my shows and scrolling through social media. Then the next day around lunchtime at work, the information registered all of a sudden and I had a panic attack because what the hell did that mean? The last time I'd been told someone was in hospital, it was my father five years prior 
and he eventually passed on while at the hospital. So all of a sudden, all this buried trauma and grief that I'd shelved away came rushing out, and the reality that my mother might die occurred to me for the first time in my life. Like, mothers don't die. Yes, I was 26, my brother was 27, and my sister was 19. But we had already lost our father, and we were only just then getting comfortable with that new normal. Like, what do you mean my mother could die? What happens when your parents are both dead? Who do I become? Who do we become as a family? I became so hysterical, I had to leave work. And my poor Uber driver didn't know what to do or say with a weepy mess of a passenger trying to explain the correct off-ramp through breathlessness, snot and tears. On the morning of her passing, Friday the 13th of April 2018, I remember waking up early and praying And I felt comforted and reassured after, not knowing that hours later the worst would indeed happen and whatever world I had lived in before then would be gone forever. It's honestly something you can, you just can never comprehend until it happens to you. My life is honestly now divided in two. Everything that happened before my mother passed and everything that's happened since, really. It sounds silly now, but I didn't expect that. I wasn't prepared for how my entire concept of life and the universe and purpose and family and love would change. But how could it not? This major thing had irrevocably happened. Of course things would be different. I'm sure we've all heard of the five stages of grief. Recently, there's been an update to seven stages, namely pain and guilt, shock and denial, anger and bargaining, depression, reflection and loneliness, the upward turn, reconstruction and working through, and acceptance and hope. These stages will not apply to everyone. Grief is always a deeply personal experience and psychologists and counselors around the world can describe and prescribe what it looks like and how to deal with it, but it will always be different for every individual. And I find that both reassuring and frustrating. The part of me that finds comfort in order likes looking at this list and trusting that if I go through each phase, I can tick it off, then that means I'm done and I've transcended it somehow. Then, of course, it's deeply frustrating because (laughs) that's just not how it works. The stages of grief, whether five or seven, don't follow any order or time frame. I already know that years from now when I have children, or reach some other milestone, I'll be angry and hurt all over again that my parents are not there to see it. That there will always be moments of hope and empowerment because now in the absence of parental figures, I'm a grown-up. 
and have become my own person in a way I don't think would have been possible if they were still around. And the most upsetting aspect for me is that the shock like waxes and wanes, but it's it never it's never really gone away. There's still random days when I watch something that reminds me of my father or I catch a whiff of Clinique aromatics on some lady on the street or hear someone with a raspy laugh that sounds like my father and my instinct is to call them or text them because I miss them. Even after these years, there's still minutes of delay between thinking I can just call them and realizing, oh, I can't. And then remembering why I can't and just feeling that loneliness and despair of it all over again. I still have days where I wake up in tears, bargaining with God and the universe to give me a glimpse of something, a message, a a sign of Lord knows what, because it's just, it's too much to accept that they're really gone and accepting it feels like somehow surrendering their meaning to me. Like finally letting go would erase everything about them and our lives together. And of course that's not true. And on the good days, I know that. But on the bad days, it's infuriating that the world is just going on like normal. And when I'm curled up in a ball on a Tuesday afternoon, other people are in their offices or out at the beach with their friends enjoying the sunset. Because unfortunately... The world doesn't stop just because your world has been destroyed. Um, talking about the role of you know extended family and community in funeral arrangements and grieving, I was in a deep depression when my father passed in 2013. And between that depression and the grief of his passing, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I don't remember a lot of that time, but I remind myself all the time that his whole life and our relationship is bigger than his final days and what I do or don't remember about them. The one enduring memory, though, is (laughs) our house filled up with my mother's sisters and cousins telling stories about him, reminiscing about their childhoods, and having a weird reunion amongst the grief and chaos. It's funny how these days funerals and weddings are some of the only times a whole family is together in one space. And I felt so comforted for my mother and for us, having them there with their loud laughter and busyness about the house. There's a lot to be said about community and sometimes it can be overwhelming But in those moments, I saw so clearly why grief isn't only about us as individuals and why it's really a simple case of just being sad. There are many other players and emotions present and we are better off making space for everything and everyone that comes up during that time and after. I'm eternally grateful to my extended family and our neighborhood community for the way they rallied around us, took care of us, and constantly reassured us that we weren't alone in our grief and in our process of moving forward. I have a new appreciation for them now that I didn't have before. And as I get older, I try much harder to be present in those times of difficulty for the people around me because 
I know how important that was for me in finding my way to cope and live fully again. And my most precious takeaway from those funerals and gatherings is remembering all the people that pulled me aside to tell me the wonderful things my parents did and meant to them, their kindness, their generosity, and their spirits of joy and community. I will always be proud that they were celebrated in their deaths the way that they lived, with deep sincerity and cheerfulness. Back to reality. So after what felt like a never-ending loop of funeral arrangements, making food, greeting people, singing hymns, policy paperwork, accepting condolences and living in this death bubble, I had to return to my life and my job in Cape Town. And I was relieved for the breakaway and also expected that at the moment I arrived in Cape Town, I don't know, something would click, that I could leave some of the unpleasant bits of this new reality back home in Tad. And that first week in my familiar bed, walking the familiar streets, far away from pitiful eyes and the harsh sunny days and cold nights of the Eastern Cape, I felt like I could breathe again. For a few days, I even enjoyed being at work, doing menial tasks, catching up on client queries, and just planning the following weeks. The breakdown came days later, at the UNISA Paro offices. So by then, I was stably numbed out. I was back in therapy, feeling, you know, proactive and on top of everything. No more active stressing about following up with insurance companies and other admin. Also, the relief of no longer being in the same house without my mother there provided some respite from feeling, you know, that gaping, vacuous, space her absence had left you know being home in those weeks felt like I was constantly skating on the edge of a black hole and at any second I would get sucked in and lost in time but every day I managed to make it to the night and before I knew it it was another day and then another one and another one after that and that's how I survived But I had to apply to divert my modules and payments from first semester to the next one. Everything had happened shortly before real coursework was to begin. So I was confident with all the relevant documents in a neat red folder, freshly printed and photocopied. But the man at the help desk wasn't quite hearing me on exactly why they should just move everything. And I was annoyed because he hadn't read the notes literally attached to my academic script and admin forms. Finally, he went through them and pulled out my mother's death certificate. And he looked up at me with understanding, pitiful eyes, and my knees buckled. And 
And I, I became overwhelmed with the fact that now every time someone said my mother's name, every time I went into an office, every time I left the house, I had to have a rehearsed plea or apology for having been, you know, MIA for the past three months. I would have to pull out a piece of paper that said she was dead. I would have to continuously reduce this crazy earth-shaking thing that's just happened by showing someone a piece of paper and they would sigh and look up and it would feel like it just happened all over again. Like here is hard confirmation of this thing that you're still very much grappling with. I just, I ran outside and sat by the parking lot and I cried so openly and so loudly that I could feel the shock and discomfort of everyone around me, but I did not care. I cried until there was no sound coming out of my mouth, no more tears, no more shaking even. I had wrung out every molecule of moisture and emotion in my body and left it in the air of that parking lot. And looking back, it was so satisfying to just be an open wound in the safety that no one there knew me or what my wailing was about. And for the first time in months, I was just a grieving person who allowed themselves to completely break. What followed that day and the months after was an experience I really had to live through. To even believe is a real thing that can happen to someone. A little talked about thing that can happen as a result of grief for me was depersonalization and derealization. So depersonalization is defined as um, detachment within the self regarding one's mind or body or being a detached observer of oneself. Subjects feel they have changed and that the world has become vague, dreamlike, less real, lacking in significance or being outside reality while looking in. And derealization is defined as a feeling that one's surroundings are not real, especially as a symptom of mental disturbance. I started having auditory hallucinations. I would hear whole conversations with myself outside of myself, with my mother, with random people I'd met during the day. And every time I dozed off to sleep, there was this weird feeling of dying, like I was falling asleep for the last time. And some mornings I would wake up having forgotten that and just being glad the sun was out, which meant that the world was still real. And then other days I was a bit disappointed because... How could I feel something so acutely, only to wake up like it never happened? I remember the days before my mother's funeral, I booked myself into a hotel. With a house full of family, praying and grieving, I just had to get away. Never mind the sensory overload of all those people in my space talking and doing things. When I got to the room, I realized I just needed a place she had never been in before. A place she wasn't missing from. A place where I could breathe and take a break from the reality of her death and all the admin it entailed. There was a manageable dissonance during the day. 
I could laugh and be distracted by things and feel normal. But something would happen at sunset. As soon as the sun went down, a switch would go off and everything would become real and raw again. I had strange, epic dreams in my waking and sleeping moments, dominated by this sense of being <laughs> punked by MTV or something. Like I was fully aware of my mother's death and completely in denial of it at the same time. And I was genuinely terrified I was losing my mind. I was losing hours and whole days staring at the ceiling or making a meal or realizing I hadn't eaten or fully slept in days. My body, my face, that looked so much like my mother, stopped feeling like mine. It was a strange suspension of reality where I was moving through the world as a character in some book or Truman Show movie, and I couldn't shake the suspicion that I wasn't real and that other people thought I was, but they would also eventually realize I wasn't. And then they would stop talking to me or checking in and everything would fall away. And in this fantasy space, what then would happen is some, you know, weird universal reboot, like the blip from Avengers Endgame. Like if I just persevered and stayed balanced enough, I would make it to that promised reset and everything would go back to normal. And everything that had happened would be some bizarre story I would tell people one day. Thank God I was already in therapy months before for my anxiety because without the guidance and support of my therapist and friends, I genuinely don't think I would have made it back mentally. And spaces where we can share these troubling thoughts and emotions are so important because often when you're grieving, your mind is in this flexible state where any and everything can take hold for the better or worse. And I urge everyone to find a support group, a therapist, or a trusted someone to share your fear and confusion about whatever you're going through and be reminded that even though it feels like it, you aren't alone. It's strange how almost clandestine we treat grief rituals and the grieving process in general when it's one of those undeniable facts of life. We will all die. We will all deal with grief in its various forms throughout life. But there's still an odd feeling of guilt and shame and embarrassment about it. Struggling alone in my room, hiding from my friends, how are you feeling texts and family check-in calls. It felt like there was something overindulgent or improper about saying, I don't want to say or do anything right now. I can't get up for work. I don't have the capacity to check in on my siblings. And I genuinely don't care about you or anything in the world right now. My mother is dead. And I demand the earth stop spinning and give me a fucking chance to collect my thoughts. And it's so easy to dismiss our own feelings, even the most painful ones, because, oh, you're not the first person to lose someone. 
You still have responsibilities. You have to be strong for this person or for this reason. You know, such are the things we tell ourselves because I think more than anything, we're scared to admit and really live in our limited mortality and accept what that means for our lives and the lives of the people we care about. It's functional to keep death and grief at arm's length can be a crushing weight and even with the best support in the world. You're the only one who really lives in the fullness of it. And we all have different ways of coping, some more beneficial than others, but the objective is always just making it to the other side. There are no answers, no justifications and no tangible reasons when it comes to death. Only that it has happened and nothing can be done about it. So if you or someone you know is currently dealing with grief, please reach out to the South African Depression and Anxiety Group on their 24-hour helpline. There's also FAMSA offices nationally and you can look for support groups and message boards online if that would be more comfortable. You can also lean on a trusted spiritual advisor or community leader, but please don't close yourself off from people who are there ready and willing to support you through this difficult time. So I'm sending you all millions of love and hugs and light through these airwaves. And thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time.